welcome to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. Together, we will be bringing you a weekly whiskey podcast where we'll be discovering drams, exploring distilleries, talking to industry experts and sharing other whiskey adventures. Not only will we be sticking our noses into our drams, but also into all things new and current in the whiskey universe, with a leading commentary, of course. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. Happy International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day to you and to all the ladies of the cosmos. So today we are talking about Welsh whisky, which is a growing whisky market. As our knowledge of the category is pretty limited, let's just be honest there. We don't know. We know nothing. Yeah. Ignorance. <laughs> Ignorance. <laughs> so we have a special guest joining us later on to give us all the intel. We're also sampling three Welsh whiskies today. Very exciting. Indeed. And as it's International Women's Day on the release of this episode, we wanted to catch up with Leah Kingsley, who some of our listeners may be familiar with from a previous episode. We want to see how she's getting on with the Spirit of Women documentary. So before we stick our noses into those whiskey glasses, let's stick our noses into the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. Thank you so much for having me back on your show. My name is Leah Kingsley, and I'm an actress, writer, producer, and director in Los Angeles. But I grew up in Kentucky, where 95% of the world's bourbon is made. And I started developing this film because I grew up in an environment where all I ever saw was whiskey and bourbon really being a spirit that was reserved for men. And it wasn't until a few years ago, when I was visiting some distilleries with a friend of mine back home in Kentucky, that I started to really see the art and the craft in how whiskey and bourbon is made. And I became really fascinated by it. And so I started doing all of this research and started to learn how vital women's roles have been in the creation of alcohol since the beginning of time, even more so with whiskey and bourbon. I really felt like women have just been buried throughout the ages. And I wanted to try and change that. So I started developing this film called The Spirit of Women. And it's about the um, trailblazing women in the world of whiskey and bourbon that really paving the way for females in this very male-dominated industry. I'm really excited to update that we were able to raise enough funds the past couple months through this public campaign and through very generous uh, distilleries. One of them that I really want to spotlight, their name is Forbidden, uh, and they are going to be having a new release that will come out, I believe, at the end of March. And um, they were one of our very first supporters. And we have a few other distilleries who have donated to our film as well so that we can tell this very, very important story. And I'm so excited to share that we had enough funding that we were able to start the first stage of filming. And we filmed in Kentucky, and then we flew back to Los Angeles, and we filmed here in Los Angeles as well. We filmed at um, the Log Still Distillery with Lynn Dant, who is one of the head master distillers over there. So it was really exciting to get to film with her. We also filmed with Peggy No Stevens, who I like to call the OG, because this woman is a trailblazing legend. I mean, if you like whiskey and bourbon, you have got to know Peggy No Stevens. She has made such an impact within this industry, not only for women, but also bringing men to the table to open their eyes to be able to be more, you know, inclusive in this industry and to show the blind spots and to show where we need help. She is the very first bourbon master taster in the world. 
And then we also got to sit down with Marianne Eves. Oh my gosh, an absolute legend. She is the very first master distiller in Kentucky since Prohibition. She has a lot of stories to share professionally and what her journey has been like. And then we also got to film with two of the women from Uncle Nearest, Catherine Jerkins and Lucia Creed. First of all, they are amazing together. I could watch them all day long. To get to sit with these two women, Kate and Lucia, and get to hear about their experience and overcoming obstacles and perseverance and working with all women on their executive team and Fawn Weaver being the very first female African-American CEO of any major spirit brand in the United States and maybe even in the world. I'm not sure about the world, but I definitely know in the United States, that's incredibly inspiring. These are the women that we've already been able to film with. And my co-director, Sarah, and I are starting to go ahead and edit this footage together. And our next phase, we're going to be sitting down with Victoria Butler, who is the great, great granddaughter of Nearest Green. And she is also the very first African-American female master blender in the world. And we also got to sit down with a really cool distillery called Jephtha Creed. And they are actually the first distillery to open in Shelbyville, Kentucky since Prohibition. But what really stands them out is they are owned by a mother and daughter. We are right now raising funds again so that we can go into stage two, getting to go to Tennessee and getting to go back to Kentucky to film with a few more women in Kentucky, as well as in Tennessee with Victoria Butler. So we would love to have you follow us. You can share this story. You can donate. However, you are capable of being part of this movement with us. We would encourage you to join us and follow along and support us. And one thing that I did forget to mention is after we have filmed in Kentucky and Tennessee, we are going to film in Scotland. Whiskey sisters! There's also been a few new bottle launches recently, such as Waterford Distillery launching Cuvée Argot, which is the distillery's first permanent global bottling. Very good. Exciting stuff for them. And Highland Park released its oldest whiskey to date, a 50-year-old single malt. No, it's 54. Not even 50. Is that isn't enough? <laughs> it's 54 years old. And the release consists of a bespoke embossed bottle containing the whiskey, a presentation box crafted from Scottish oak wood, and an invitation for the buyer to attend a once-in-a-lifetime experience in Orkney. How epic is that? I think it was like £39,000 or something like that. So you would expect like a proper <laughs> tour of the Orkney and all that, wouldn't you? Treated like a Viking king. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, the bottle doesn't look too bad. But I just think like, what do you do with the block of wood that comes with it? <laughs> firewood <laughs> <laughs> and they've been busy at the Loch Lomond distillery as well the distillery has released two new bottles Loch Lomond single grain distiller's choice and Loch Lomond single grain Cooper's collection Mizunara cask finish Ooh, not heard of that before also Glen Morangy launched a 12 year old limited Amontillado sherry cask finish bottling while I was reading this online I discovered a fact about the Infamous Dr. Bill Amontillado is his favourite style of sherry. I know. I like where like 
decoding Dactapel with profiling him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so that our stalking game that we can get better at it because we still haven't found him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, just the one last thing I saw. This is kind of not whiskey related, but there was an influencer guy who got paid. $250,000 to get tattoo of a vodka bottle on his arm, like a specific brand. I just thought I'll mention it and put it in the universe if any whiskey brand or Glenken class is interested of us getting a tattoo of yeah. the product, you know, with enough money, we would definitely do it. Hit us up with your big dollar offers and we'll get under the tattoo needle for sure. Worldwide Whiskies with the Whiskey Sisters. Today's episode is all about Welsh whiskey and we are joined with Sean Williams who is a writer from Wales and the creator of Whiskey Wales podcast. Yeah, so I'm glad we're getting some help as I hardly know anything about Welsh whiskey bar from like Penderyn. But to be honest, I don't actually know anything about Penderyn either. I just know that it's Welsh, it's a Welsh distillery. <laughs> <laughs> like the only one I know. But have you actually sampled any Welsh whiskey before this episode? No, none before this episode, although I was kindly gifted with a bottle of Penderyn whiskey that I've still to open um, at New Year just this year. Oh. So yeah, that was very kind. So looking forward to opening that. Yeah, I've only tried once through Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, but like other than that, I haven't tried anything. So yeah. This is all new for us. <laughs> Let's bring Sean to help us out. Sean Williams. So welcome to Whiskey Sisters podcast, Sean. Thank you we're for so, having me. We're so glad you're here. So before we start talking about Welsh whiskey, I, by the way, I have to warn that I really struggle when I say Welsh and Wales. I like to stumble with my words, so just forgive me. <laughs> but before we start talking about the whiskey in detail, perhaps you would like to tell us a little bit more about your whiskey journey and about your podcast, Whiskey Wales. Yeah, so... Um... I suppose, like most people, I, I started my whiskey journey, I would say, badly. Uh, Friday <laughs> nights with very cheap spirits, normally. Um, I, I grew up uh, in a place called Swansea, which is in South Wales, which is the kind of second largest city. It's, it's pretty known for its lively uh, nightlife. There's uh, some big universities there. And yeah, I, I, I had a misspent youth, shall we say. So I think <laughs> after that, uh, my real journey uh, with whiskey actually did start with Penderyn and I'm not just saying that because I, I wasn't a scotch drinker um, other than some cheap blends you know someone bought me a bottle of Penderyn when I was in my early 20s and uh, and they said you know these are up the road and they were about half an hour away from where I was living at the time and um, yeah and it was really good I, you know and I and it kind of encouraged me to continue and at that point it was just Penderyn they, they were the only Welsh whiskey so obviously I you know started to try different mm -hmm. scotches um, now I definitely uh, am primarily a Scotch drinker. There's always a bottle of bourbon on the bar, and there's always a, a bottle of Welsh whiskey, or, or two or three, since I've been doing the show. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I am a Scotch drinker, you know, primarily. And like you guys, I'm just trying to uh, explore the wonderful world of whiskey, and yeah, and try different things. And and I'm trying to try a bottle from each of the distilleries in uh, in Scotland, which is definitely taking me longer than it was in Wales. <laughs> yeah, I've already done that so <laughs> I don't it doesn't help that there's constantly new distilleries popping up nope. so 
<laughs> well, it's good. So, I mean, it's a yeah. hobby that will never end, isn't it? That's it, exactly. <laughs> never ending good times. That's amazing that, you know, your whiskey journey talking about when there was only one and perhaps your journey developing as, you know, is Welsh whiskey. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about the kind of history of whiskey in Wales? Of course. So um, not a lot of people know, but um, it's had quite an impact on, on whiskey as a whole. I mean, that it was sporadically mentioned throughout history. There are some reports of uh, as early as the 1400s of uh, monks on Bardsey Island, um, which is a small island, not too far from me, actually, in North Wales now. But there no confirmed reports. So we can we can say, you know, without shadow of a doubt, first recorded operational distillery was in Dale in Pembrokeshire and mm-hmm. was started by uh, Evan Williams and his family, basically, in about 1705. Now, Evan Williams, actually, after the kind of limited commercial success of, of that distillery in, in Wales and the kind of uh, start of the, the kind of anti-drinking in Wales and things like that and different historic uh, things of the time, he actually moved to the States with his family and started Evan Williams Distillery uh, Bourbon. And Wow. Allegedly, uh, the distillery themselves is still today. You can still try Evan Williams Bourbon, but they, they claim to be the first Kentucky bourbon distillery, the first one that was there. And also there, there are a lot of, um, you know, this Jack Daniel, everyone knows Jack Daniels. There was There's a lot of stories about Welsh distillers working in Jack Daniels as well mm-hmm. in the early days. So it's definitely had a profound effect, um, I, I think, you know, um, but more than we kind of tell people. So then in about uh, 1889 was the last distillery in Wales uh, before the, the modern distilleries as we know them. So about, you know, over 100 years ago uh, in a place called Bal and it's Von Gogh Distillery. It, it was very much, unfortunately, viewed as a bit of a, you know, like a, a fad, not, not, you know, okay. uh, uh, not like Scotch. You know, it was, uh, it, it was, it wasn't taken seriously, really. Although the mm-hmm. whiskey was reportedly very good, it was a peated whiskey, um, mm-hmm. and I think they use sherry casks as well. You know, it was reportedly a good whiskey. It just wasn't taken seriously. It did have a, a, a royal seal as well, and um, so their bottling was called Royal Welsh, but mm. unfortunately limited commercial success even though they spent at the time millions uh, in today's money as as wow. you would a modern distillery you know they built train stations they built um offices there you know they built uh, staff accommodation the distillery itself so it's big operation but unfortunately 1901 that was the end of whiskey production in wales and until the new millennium so uh, then we come right up to date basically almost sounds like someone should just rebuild that distillery in the same I, location i know, I, know. And... I don't think the farmers would be very happy at the minute <laughs> if, uh, if they did. just like depleted sherry with their own mm. little train station oh my god sounds amazing yeah, I, I know, that's good. such a shame. It just sounds like a huge effort for it to have bombed in that way or not yeah. have been given, you know, the credit it was due. It just shows you, doesn't it? It was um, definitely, you know, I think it would have opened in modern times. I think it would have been a massive success, but obviously yeah. back then. There was also the temperance movement in Wales, which um, I don't know if you're aware of it. You know, it was kind of a bit like they had in the States with the prohibition, but it mm-hmm. was very much, um, you know, the evil spirit and don't drink and yeah. you know a lot a lot of a lot of welsh women taking revenge on their men so rightly so they should have at the time because they were treated badly but they they decided to target that to really make their lives oh, no. <laughs> not worth worth living but um that all uh basically you, you know kind of was in 
in their downfall, really. And, and yeah. that stopped what any whiskey yeah. production in Wales for a for hundred years. So you would think that maybe they used to have like an illicit whiskey making. You would think, but no. Um, I mean, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure yeah. it was. I have heard modern day stories of illicit distilling, but not not for whiskey. And there's, unfortunately, there's nothing uh, unlike, you know, the, the fantastic history of Scotch and the excise men and, mm. you know, the Highland and Lowland. Unfortunately, we haven't got quite uh, the same kind of checkered past, as it were. But yeah, it's still an interesting story. And it's definitely, I think, I, I know Penderin like to use this in their marketing. They, they call us the secret Celtic nation, you know, because we don't yeah. like to shout too much about what we're doing and we we try and keep it very quiet and very hush hush you know which uh is, is probably to our downfall a lot of the time especially when it comes to business but uh luckily modern day marketing they've realized they really need to shout about yeah. the products a bit more. <laughs> exactly. Not keep it to themselves stay cool and mysterious but kind of put herself out there at the same yeah, time exactly, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Like, like any good uh speed dating session i'd imagine <laughs> not that i've done it but i'd imagine <laughs> so there is uh, six new distilleries now then in Wales. Could you tell us a little bit more about these? Yeah, so um, back in uh, the 90s, uh, late 90s, basically there, w- there was a move to open a Welsh whiskey distillery. Now, unfortunately, they uh, they had government funding and they bought a still. They bought um, basically a column still, which is the one that Penderin used now. But it, it was a bluff. So it was a prop for HMRC. And they were buying in Scotch whiskey and bottling up as Welsh whiskey and using oh, this, this still what? as a prop. Yeah. Cheeky, cheeky. <laughs> and an expensive prop as well, several hundred thousand pounds worth of prop. So so after a few years they, they did get found out, you know, like they kind of they got rumbled and, and closed down. So that unfortunately did a lot of damage to Welsh whiskey as a brand, you know, and it was a bit of mm. a in a poor state then. Fortunately, the guys that originally founded Penderin, they were sitting in uh, the Glyn Cunon in, in Herwine, which is just down the road from the distillery, some of the founded members, talking about entrepreneurship and things like that and saying like, oh, we've got this still sitting up here, you know, we could actually make Welsh whiskey, you know, why is no one doing it? Um, so they did. So they started the distillery and, and they started it on a shoestring and soon ran out of money. But fortunately, they, they had investment from business within Wales, which is nice. It's not only by you know a hedge fund or some big conglomerate nice. uh, you know it was it, it's a welsh businessman came in put the money in put some members of the team in and some some infrastructure uh, and then you know they they started to become commercially viable then and and started to produce more numbers in about 2000 they launched their bottlings and obviously penderin now if you don't know anything about welsh whiskey i think you'll know the name penderin because they they have been around for the longest you know they've been around yeah. over 20 years they uh were heavily influenced by Dr. Jim Swan, who's quite famous um, Scottish yeah. uh, professor, unfortunately not with us anymore. Uh, and he really helped them develop the signature style that is their Madeira finish, which is, you know, that's always been their signature style uh, bourbon and then finished in a Madeira cask. So after Penderin, basically, you couldn't really call it an industry, could you? Because there's one, one distillery. But luckily, then a company in West Wales um, that own an organic cheese factory called De Ville. Um, so I know to your listeners, if, if you're writing this up, it will be De Mille, but it's said De Ville. So it's Scots Gaelic for the word 2000. And it was basically released, their original bottling in the year 2000, but their original bottling was Scotch and it was advertised as such. So they went to... Um, 
they went to one of the distilleries, um, can't remember off the top of my head now in Scotland, and I think it was Loch Lomond actually, they went to Loch Lomond Distillery and commissioned them to do the first organic Welsh, uh, organic Scotch whiskey. Um, and obviously it was a big success, uh, the bottlings were limited, but after that then they bought out um, a Welsh, uh, they bought a still and they bought out a Welsh organic whiskey and then a, a Welsh single grain whiskey, so they were the second. And then you know, it was quite quiet for a while. And, and now the last, I'd say the last, within the last decade, we've had this big, well, in Wales term anyway, we've had this big kind of uh, resurgence again of new distilleries. So um, we've got Aberfalls Distillery in North Wales, which is owned by Whitney Neal. So they've got big backing, obviously, and, yeah. and put a lot of money distillery they're producing whiskey um their first bottlings came out i think last year quite nice young whiskey obviously but but it's still you know it's very good uh and then there is uh, the coles distillery uh back down in south wales which is a very small enterprise craft distillery we, we would definitely call them a craft distillery uh there's also in the welsh wind which is another craft distiller gins vodkas they have got in cask at the minute their spirit their new make spirit unfortunately it's it's not ready yet that's how new they are mm -hmm. um but you know it's looking good i've tasted their new make i've tasted some cask dips and some force aged and yeah it's very nice and uh unlike any of the other welsh distilleries they're actually using green grain from wales from the fields next to them so they're not drying the barley and um, so it oh. definitely adds a very different flavor profile Quick question. You know, when you earlier you were talking about Benderin, you said they aged the bourbon in a Madeira cask. No, sorry, they aged in a bourbon cask. So, in a uh, bourbon cask. Oh, bourbon I was getting so, like, so, what? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's been a long day. <laughs> um, yeah. No, so their signature style is aged in a bourbon cask. Originally, it yeah. was Buffalo Trace. Now they're kind of mixing it up a bit because Buffalo Trace uh, has become a bit harder to get hold of. Yeah. But uh, then it's finished in a Madeira yeah. cask, basically. Yeah. So it's aged. It's aged in a in a bourbon cask and then finished in a Madeira yeah. cask. One more yes. question. So yeah, with the Davile as well. So they were doing organic with Loch Lomond, but now they're still organic. Am I right? They are solely organic. So yeah. they're the only uh, distillery in Wales and one of the only ones in the UK that I'm aware of. I mean, there are. I'm sure there are others, and I'm sure people will, will say. But as far as I'm aware, they're definitely the only one in Wales that do solely organic spirits full stop they do rum they do um they do a lot of things you know a lot small bottlings but but it's very good it, it is yeah. very good and their whiskey is has remained so their single grain and their single malt remains solely organic as well uh, and they are now trying to move to locally produced grains so they're not just importing them in as well which is again nice to see because we can grow barley in wales is a damp climate you know you look at scotland and it's it, it's pretty dry compared to scotland so uh, we should be able to grow it in theory, but um, you know it's not it's not the industry norm because obviously logistics. But yeah, it's definitely nice to see them moving over to that. Again, very small bottlings they offer. You mm -hmm. know their runs are maybe two, three hundred bottles at a time because the size of the still. But it, it's very good whiskey. You know, regardless of the fact it's Welsh whiskey, I would definitely put it up there against any whiskey. It is a it is a good whiskey. And on that note, Sean, how would you say that Welsh whiskey generally? differs from scotch maybe that's 
too difficult a question or are there any clear differences evident uh, between them? No, I think so. I mean, definitely Scotch has set the path for, for world whiskey, hasn't it? I mean, it, it's it's been around for so long, you know, but it's got clear guidelines. So what you can do with Scotch is restricted, is very restricted. However, what you can do with Welsh whiskey, we, we haven't really got that restriction. So other than the fact it has to be in cask for three years and one day, we can do whatever we like with it. We don't have to put it in a bourbon cask. We can put it straight into a fortified wine cask straight away. No finishing to age, you know. If you want to put it in a tequila cask, yeah, not a problem. You know, you can do what whatever you want with it, which does mean there's a lot of experimentation in Welsh whiskey. You know, there's a lot okay. of bottlings that are coming out um, that you just wouldn't see, I think, in a, in other um, areas, in other in other whiskies. And, and also, obviously, because there's no blueprint on what we need to do, it definitely encourages a bit more entrepreneurialism and, mm -hmm. and a bit more, you know, small scale because you can have a craft distillery. You don't need to invest millions to open a distillery yeah. in Wales. The smallest whiskey distillery in Wales that I haven't covered yet is is um, the Anglesey Distillery at Anisamon. I mean, very, very small scale. It, it's it's part of a farming business. I think I sent you guys one of the bottles. I mean, they're hand drawn on with the batch number. You know, they got lovely labels, but it's batch number seven. You know, they're very small scale. But again, they're producing really good quality spirits. So I don't think that should... Um, necessarily held against them at the same time it sounds quite an exciting time for whiskey in wales with a it lot is. of creativity you know we would love to know how you feel that it's received you know what the whiskey culture is like in wales you know do you find that people kind of generally enjoy it or are there specialist whiskey bars for example yeah so um i think we're definitely lacking in in the whiskey bars that are a good um, selection of bars in Wales. We love a drink, the Welsh, you know, especially if the rugby's <laughs> on. You know, we, we love being down the pub. And since, you know, Welsh whiskey has come to the forefront, obviously a lot of good bars that have a good spirit or good whiskey selection are definitely pushing the Welsh whiskies now. As for the culture of Welsh whiskey, I, I, I think like all, definitely anyway in the UK, since obviously COVID and lockdown, I think that had a huge impact on the whiskey industry, but definitely for consumption, <laughs> It was a good thing, I think, personally, because people are sitting yeah. at home and, you know, it was an easy kind of thing to do to, oh, let's see what, you know, I've always been into my spirits. Let's see yeah. what this whiskey's like, what that whiskey's like. So I think that that's worked in its favour as well. And people in Wales have definitely embraced, I think, it as an industry now. Um, I mean... Penderyn have been around for 20 years, so they're very much known within the country. They themselves, you know, want to be, you know, the kind of Guinness or the Jamesons of, of Wales. You know, if you go to Wales, mm. they want you to go and see a rugby game, maybe go and see a castle and have a glass of Penderyn, you know, because that's that's how kind of they are intrinsic with, with the country and the brand. But, but I definitely think as Welsh whiskey grows past that, there's a lot of distilleries now. I, I really think it can be something that we're maybe not known for uh, like other countries in the same way but definitely it's something that if you're in South Wales, if you're in West Wales if you're in North Wales, you're like oh yes there's a distillery there, I definitely want to go and try that because I've heard Welsh whiskey is really good you know and, and definitely yeah. want, want that. So can you actually go and visit any of these distilleries yet? You can you can visit all of them uh, okay. with, the, with the exception of the one on Anglesey which you should be able to visit by the end of this year, um, they're spending some money on like a cafe and you know kind of visitors area but they are very small scale there so but yeah the other five distilleries um penderin uh, have actually got a site now in Cantadno in north wales to produce a 
purely peated whiskey. Uh, it's not too far either from the Abba Falls distillery. So it, it's really good if you're in that kind of area, you can yeah. two at the same time. And then in South Wales, obviously, you can visit Penderyn. You can visit the Coles distillery. It's it's quite a small distillery, but they own it in connection with their pub, the White Hart Inn in Icandarog, uh, which is a, a, an amazing building to visit. It's a, a, an old 700-year-old uh, pub with a thatched roof. Like, you don't see pubs like that anymore. It's just nice. all the kind of like Toby jugs and the open fire. And, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a really good, cool place to visit. And then in the Welsh Wind, they've got quite a nice facility to visit. They do kind of gin tasting and workshops and things like that. So, yeah, they're, they're all open for the public now and happy to receive visitors. You know, if people come to Wales, I would I would urge them to go there. I've visited all of the distilleries, yeah. you know, I've stayed in the areas. Some of them I've been to before, obviously, because I, I live in North Wales and I'm from South Wales. So it's it's been quite, um, you know, easy and I've got family in the area mm. and things. But but there's, yeah, there's a lot to see in the area as well as the distilleries. Definitely. As well. What's your favourite Welsh whisky if you can name one or two? So if you were to recommend to our listeners. Yeah, so I think I think that obviously everyone's going to say this. They're all good, obviously, but I, I have favourite. I definitely have favourites. If you can get hold of Davile's, either their single malt or their single grain, I, I do think they do something really special there. I, I mean, they're normally one or two casks, so you know it, it's it's small scale and it's the you know the time they take to produce the whiskey as well. They leave it sitting cask for a bit longer. You know, they're up to about sort of eight nine years now as well. So it's it's not an age statement, but it is fantastic whiskey. I'd put it next to any any other whiskey. Um, uh, is good and then i would definitely although they're new and i i think your listeners may struggle to get hold of it i would recommend the anglesey one it's actually what i'm sipping tonight because i like bourbon obviously uh, mm-hmm. as well as whiskey and i'd say it's the closest of the welsh whiskies to almost like a bourbon it's very vanilla it's only been aged in a bourbon cask but their spring on site is through a glacial uh a historic glacial lake uh, that's not there anymore and the softness of their water they actually sell the anglesey spring water is incredible. I mean, people like Lark Fire mm-hmm. have, have really kind of got on that, you know, that water with whiskey is important. Sure. Um, there are arguments for and against, but there's something about the mouthfeel and the mm. softness of it. And considering, again, it's non-age statement and it's quite new, you know, it's four or five years old. You know, it tastes like some bourbons I've had that have been like a seven, eight-year-old bourbon, you know, and it's it's Amazing. really good. Really yeah, good stuff you're there. definitely selling it. Like, piqued my interest for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And with the Davili, thank you so much, by the way, for sending us the samples. And the single malt will be the one that we will review in a minute. But Fantastic. I'm actually sipping the single grain today. What do you think? It's really nice. It's really nice. It's good, I'm right? not massive, yeah. like, I don't drink too many single grains. Mm. But on the nose, it's amazing, like sweet whipped cream and vanilla and peaches, and it's beautiful. And then on the palate, that touch of peat, and oh, it's really, really nice. But, uh, I mean, single grain is misunderstood, I think, a bit. And if you explain to it, people like it's a ba- it's basically our version of of bourbon, you know, a mix of grains. It kind of makes more sense to them, you know. But yeah. um, no, it's definitely they're good bottlings, and I hope you enjoy the single malt because uh, I think it's it's special. I def- definitely think it's really. Special. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm excited really to try the single single malt even more because this one is very nice. So the, the peated uh, Penderin at the minute, it's actually a bourbon cask aged and then it's finished in a Lafroig peated whiskey cask. Ooh. So it's not actually peated 
yeah. uh, barley that's that's gone yep. into it. But you definitely, you it's campfire smoke. Yeah, looking forward to them. Sean, we can't let you go without asking you about your dream dram. As you may well know, that question is about which famous person, dead or alive, would you share a whiskey with and what dram would you pick? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this and uh, I kind of, some of your other guests, I, someone said Oliver Reed the other, uh, I think a few weeks ago. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic and I was like, oh. I that would, I would be a rowdy night yeah. Yeah. for Swansea. Yeah, it would be brilliant. So um, I've gone for Richard Burton. Cool. He, he, he grew up in South Wales, not too far from where I used to live. Oh, actually, I didn't know that. Yeah, he grew up in uh, the Neath Valley. He's not, not far from where I have family now. You know, he liked to drink. Uh, I think his reputation, you know, is there. And another Welshman, so Richard Burton. And I think it would have to be with uh, Davile single malt because I think that's kind of at the minute the, the best offering that, that we have to so I would drink that with him I it'd love be a lively night choice. I think I think yeah. so and all the stories that could be told before we let you go you are writing a book about Welsh whiskey am I right I am, yeah. that so this is your chance to give it a little plug yeah so um obviously the podcast whiskey Wales we're visiting all the distilleries in Wales and then we're gonna be doing uh kind of bottle releases and things like that as well in the future tastings not not offering our own bottlings obviously <laughs> Uh, well, it would be nice but um <laughs> uh, and then the book hopefully i'm in the middle of writing it about halfway through will hopefully be finished by the summer and then hopefully hopefully fingers crossed will be available for christmas this year that's the plan anyway but i i probably have egg on my face now because it probably won't won't be, in it, be next year but uh but stay tuned and obviously i'm on uh instagram and all that stuff anyway so you can uh, you can stay tuned and see what's going on absolutely and we'll check the uh, the links in our show notes fantastic diolch and fawr for having me thank you very much thank you thank you so much yaki da that's all i can say that's you well when you do your dram on fire that is basically skull or cheers or slanger you know that's that's it's good health in welsh so uh, you'll have to uh, and the pronunciation is good actually as well it's good so why thank put, you put <laughs> if you want to listen sean's whiskey wells podcast it is out every second sunday every month and this month's episode is actually about Dart Vili which was his favourite whiskey so make sure to tune in. Cool, I've listened to an episode and I really enjoyed it. Dram on Fire so talking about Davili, this is our first dram on fire of the day. So it's Davili Single Malt, and they actually started as a gin producer, and many may be familiar with the delicious seaweed gin. I love it, and the martini is really, really good gin if you like savoury gin, so mm. definitely try it. So maturation took place in first fill Madeira casks, and it was bottled at 46% APB, and we like that, don't we? We do. This is a limited edition single cask bottling. One thing though I saw on the website, which I didn't like, I have to be honest, it says that it's a very limited edition, so highly collectible. It's like, come on, you should want people to drink your whiskey and not like collect it and, you know. Slurp it up. 
Yeah, we want people to know how it is. People need to try it. Don't collect stuff. Come on. No, no bottle flipping here. The distiller also has a single crane whiskey, which was part aged in Lafroy casks. Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? Oh, you don't know. You haven't tried I don't, it yet. I haven't tried that one yet. But yeah, no, you seem to be really enjoying it. Yeah. So the color was kind of light goldeny. Yeah, definitely. I've got that light golden. I think it's a beautiful nose. Lots of nice fruits for me apple pear fresh cherries like honey dew melon honey sweetness it's very delicate nose reminded me of white wine oh, but then okay. after nosing it a while i think like there's something funky in there like underneath you know it made me think kind of like a mushroomy or cheesy or truffle or something and it actually reminded me of the glen scotia 15 ah okay i remember that kind of like funky earthiness coming through on that i'm not detecting that just yet however i feel I sat in the glass for a little while and almost like there is like more layers being revealed the longer it the longer it, the air gets in there's definitely a little bit of fruitiness but i'm still thinking the white wine i really like it on the nose yeah me too i i do actually always really enjoy those weird funky notes mushroom mm. cheese with white wine sign me up <laughs> <laughs> and how did you find it on the palate so i was getting some warming spice i was thinking maybe some white pepper tingle there's going on not like overpowering just nice little gentle um maybe some nutmeg i don't know there was something citrusy but i don't think it was like citrus citrus i couldn't really think what the word was i really loved it on the palate i kind of found it like kind of sweet pastry but you know like the kind of pastry crust if you were having like a fruit pie or tart I still was getting apple but maybe more cooked apple slight warming spice for me was a wee bit cinnamon like but not super cinnamony you know what just to stop you for a second I've had this in the glass for quite a while and now going back I'm getting everything you just said apple pie cinnamon and really nice kind of mouthfeel lovely mouthfeel like really nice balance in the yeah. mouth yeah and I feel like it's very mouth coating like it really gets your yeah. whole tongue and everything yeah go on what else did you get and I guess that was the kind of I didn't get anything else on the palate but quite strong and definite for the notes I got I think definitely helped to leave it in the glass for a bit longer I really enjoyed the finish on it as well I kind of wrote it feels good like smooth rolling balanced and like just baked fruit pie and slightly okay and feel good hug in a glass but not necessarily a winter hug an all-year-round hug I was really loving <laughs> yeah. it <laughs> yeah I was getting oaky woody on the finish as well but now I'm also thinking that those kind of weird mushroomy aromas are transferring into the palate as well in a in a way wow tell me like, more like it's a bit I don't know what what is the word with all that like earthy no it's not really earthy is it it's kind of but it's re really nice forest i know not forest either i don't know like just imagine mushrooms like those fan those fancy mushrooms like the wee kind of like fancy dark ones or curly ones yeah yeah and it's maybe more like mushroom sauce you know or mushroom soup you know that kind yeah. of flavor you know what i mean yeah cool oh nice yeah so that was definitely i can see why sean really likes this one definitely so people don't collect it drink it yes crack open your bottles it is delish next up is the multi-award winning pendant pendant whatever you prefer yeah that sounds yeah pendant pendant madeira finish 
This is the original Pendarin house style, aged in ex-bourbon barrels and finished in ex-Madeira wine cast to bring out its full gold character. And it is also bottled at a fully respectable 46% ABV. Light in colour again, isn't it, Inca? Very light. I would think in like straw and the sun. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I've got light straw, super light. Okay. I wasn't as excited about this one. The nose was so sweet. Like yeah. sweet bubble gum, maybe some like plum bubble gummy thing. And then after a while, I was thinking, you know, Magnum white chocolate ice cream, you know, like. The, oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. they have the Madagascar vanilla ice cream inside, oh, yeah, but then yeah. coated with the white chocolate layer. So all that. Yeah. But like, just like, I mean, like in that intense sweet way. Totally with you there. Although first I kind of, I do, I've written blossom trees which I don't know if they smell but I was thinking of them I've got candied sweetness so totally with you on that quite sugary sweetness I was thinking you know those stalls at the market and it's got all these candies and big huge tube of gummy stuff and they've got big melting candy and all that just this waft of sugar candy I kind of got that and I also got interesting again you say plum because I've got ripe plum flesh on the nose there's a Finnish sweet called ghetto which means fox. And it's like a... Is it chewy? One. Chewy or it's crunchy? It's kind of soft. It's soft, but it's covered with sugar. But I'm just trying to figure out what the flavor is. It's got an artificial sweetness smell to yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I did write down like, you know, like fake raspberry, but I don't think it's raspberry. It's more like something else. Although I love sweetness in life, I don't particularly enjoy that more kind of manufactured sweetness aroma on the nose. Yeah. I call it marmalade. It's like a marmalade, but it's not like spreadable. It's like a soft kind of ah. sweet. Anyway. Oh, it's the berry of, um, oh, you know, those trees that little red berries. Like a cranberry? No, it's like a... You know the ones where the, if birds eat them, they get drunk? Oh, yeah, they kind of poison them. Yeah. Rowanberry? Is, oh. Is that the same? Or am I thinking something else? I'm not that up on my berries, Inca. <laughs> anyway, rowanberry. The sweets are made from rowanberry. And they're really, really sweet, covered in sugar. and like. So anyway, smells like that. I definitely want a sweetie haul next time you're in Finland so I can get used to these awesome flavoured sweets that you just I know. Well, I'm going in July, so I'm already like, I make, I've got plans to buy you a couple of bits and bobs. <laughs> Hook me up with some candies. <laughs> so how about the palette then? Aniseedy, baked fennel, biscuity, some peaches and cream. Not that pleasant for me. Oh my God. I didn't even, that even, that sounds better than mine. I was thinking sweet blackberries, but again, like that kind of fake fruit one. Okay. First, there was a bit like that alcoholic, fumey, acidic, something going on. I was trying to really hard to figure out what am I tasting because it's very unusual. It's so sweet. Mixed berry jam or like a concentrate that you make, okay. you know, like cordial or something. Yeah. And then maybe something a bit more tropical, like lychees or cantaloupe or... No, is it which one is sweeter? The honeydew. Honeydew melon isn't it sweeter than cantaloupe. That I one. think honeydew can be sweeter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very fruity sweet. And the finish, I found it kind of, my mouth felt like it felt a bit kind of drying on the finish, mildly woody, maybe peachy, but it, I, I was struggling for descriptives for it. And I wasn't enjoying the mouthfeel as much. Sorry, Pindarin. It's But I had this other one first, which was all giving me juicy and deliciousness. And I think maybe that's not done this one any favours for me because I then tried this after and comparatively was like, yeah. Mm. 
Exactly. I think the mouthfeel and the other one was much more complex and it was definitely giving layers and yeah. loads more. But I can definitely tell now because when I go to Scott Small Whiskey Society and I try the whiskies, I, I literally never ask which distillery mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. I just try the whiskey unless I want something that maybe reminds me of that distillery. But it definitely then was Pender and the one that I tried because it was so sweet and it was giving me the all the cordial like Ribena vibes. Ah, interesting. That's a no for me, but if you really, really like sweet and fruity whiskies, then yeah, it's a must try for sure. And let's finish off with Pinderin peated expression. The peat comes solely from the casks the spirit has been matured in. Again, bottled at 46% ABV. This whiskey also has a kosher certificate. Very, this is even lighter colour than the before. It's very light straw and almost like green yellowy straw, you know? Yeah, that's true. I got bored with the paleness by the third dram and I just wrote pale. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're all very pale, aren't they? So, I can't get any smokiness on the nose of this at no, all. No, it doesn't transfer to a nose. It's quite sweet again on the nose, but not in that it's same kind of intense way. It's nicer. I, I found it kind of maybe gooey banana bread sweetness and a little bit of grassiness. Oh, that's funny. I, I had bananas on the palate, so caramel biscuits or, you know, the, what's that? Oh, yeah, the digestive biscuits, but you know, they've also done the kind of kind of toffee or caramel coated ones. Yeah, they've gone for the high octane ones, haven't they? Yeah, so that's that's what I'm getting. I'm with. finding it even sweeter with more air in it on the nose. But again, I'm kind of but, struggling for anything other than what I've already said. It's actually quite nice on the nose. Like it's sweet, but it's not not so i guess i maybe i just struggle with like sweet fruity notes and i'm much better with when it's caramel or toffee or yeah and you mentioned you know banana notes on the palate what what all did you get on the palate for this one you could detect the peat on your tongue is that kind of tingling going around it's definitely the peat is doing this trick um i was getting sweet orchard fruits mainly like pears and apples and then yeah banana and also some caramel. Ah, okay. At first I got the kind of like slightly salted as in saltwater seaweed. And I was thinking of that mm. big flat seaweed. And I kind of got a sweet bread roll. You know, it's not a sweet thing, but so you know how some breads can just be a little bit sweet. Mm -hmm. And then I got sour apple and a little bit of white pepper spice. Yeah. I think the peat is kind of giving you the spicy feeling, but I can totally get that seaweed. It's like kind of salty water. Like, a, you know, sometimes you swim in the sea and you get a little bit of water in your mouth. Yeah. And you get that kind of vibe. Yeah. yeah. I got that. Vibes. Scottish beach vibes or Welsh. Yes. Yeah. Welsh. But that beach. kind of Celtic beach <laughs> as opposed to your Mediterranean <laughs> beach. And what about the finish? It's quite short, I think. Or oh, when I took the sip, I feel like there's quite a lot like to explore. Mm -hmm. I don't have enough time to explore it and it all kind of goes away. Oh, that is such a good shout. I felt I was kind of struggling on the finish and I kind of feel I was guessing what the finish was. And that makes sense because I've just kind of like written baked apple and a bit woody. Oaky and dry, something sweeter there as well. But I mean, like in general as well, with the whole tasting experience, like you take the mouthful and like, oh, actually, mm, I quite like it. But then, yeah, it goes away so fast. Mm -hmm. I would like to just, you know, I end up like sipping much faster because I want to keep going. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. But I, I actually like this one. I did like this one, but I just wish that it would be like a bit more long lasting. 
Mm -hmm. I think I maybe preferred it to the other one, which surprises me. You know, on paper, I would have imagined I would have preferred the first. But it sounds like a clear winner for us both is Davili. Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely much more complexity in in that dram. It's funny though, because when I first started trying and sampling it, I'm like, I'm not really getting too much. But I think definitely the air helps. There's so many pending and releases now i'm gonna i'm still keen to try some more and crack open the bottle i got in new year it's a kind of special release one i can't remember the name of it off the top that's of my the head. thing i got quite a few samples as well and obviously we got the sherry wood and then there was someone else sent us oh adrian from um whiskey, whiskey Mastery. Mastery. Yeah, send us a few samples, but I haven't had a chance to try them yet so yeah so let's see let's watch this space whiskey sisters whiskey fact so today's fact is fairly simple, but perhaps many may not be aware of the fact that most distilleries store casks of whiskey belonging to other distilleries in their warehouses. This way, if in case of a fire or any kind of catastrophe, they won't lose their stock. So that's pretty clever. Very clever. You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. And as the day of release is International Women's Day, make sure to revisit one of our first episodes about the history of women in distilling, episode 7. And this episode celebrates women in whiskey from the alchemical origins of distillation to modern day experts in the industry. We navigate our way through some of the epic stories of truly inspirational whiskey wonder women, so definitely check it out if you haven't already and let us know your thoughts. And drumroll. Guess what, listeners? Next week will be the final episode of season two. Gasp! (laughs) (laughs) We are taking a well-earned break for a few weeks. We need to recharge our whiskey batteries, don't we, and can get up to some mischief in our non-whiskey-related lives. I know, exactly. Lots is going on behind the scenes. Yes. It feels like it has become a thing that when we end uh, end a season or go on a break, we always have Ardberg at our hands. Yes, we do. So next week will be no different. And we have Ardberg for review for next week also. And there will be another drum too, but you'll just have to wait and see. But while you wait, feel free to listen to our previous episodes and make sure you follow us on Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast, Twitter at whiskeysisters and good old fashioned Facebook. I'm sure some people are still on Facebook. I'm not sure who, but if you are, we are Whiskey Sisters Podcast on there. Have a nice evening, you Wonder Woman. (laughs) You too, sugar. Have a great week. Looking forward to our season finale next week. And I think we've mentioned women so much this episode, which is cool and everything, but we're loving everybody. And so just a big see you next time to our listeners. May your glass be full. And your dram on fire. 